Good afternoon. Hello. Excellent. My name's Tom. Most of you know me. If you don't, my name's Tom. Now you know me. There you go. I'm going to start um, this afternoon. Is that a bit ringy? A little bit ringy, isn't it? I'm going to start this afternoon, if it's okay, by asking you a question. Is that all right? Yeah. Top. You don't have to answer it. A bit rhetorical. Think about it. What are you passionate about? What? What drives you? Okay, football, okay. Something started yesterday which I'm quite passionate about, which is the Tour de France. Anyone been watching? Just me then? <laughs> On my toes? I'll be going. All right, um, Jesus says that um, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So maybe the question should be, what do you talk about most? Maybe that's really what we're passionate about. What do you talk about most? you talk about most? For me, it would be first of all my kids. I find myself telling stories about them all the time. Oh, they were so cute when they did this. If you talk to me for any length of time, you'll, you'll have heard a story about my kids. Second thing I talk about a lot is food. Anyone else? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper into what our passions are. What do you talk to God most about? What do you pray about most? For me, I think it would be my kids again. Number one. And number two for me, I think it would probably be my career, work, that kind of thing. I find myself praying about that a lot. Another way to look at our passions would be to look at what we'd be prepared to suffer for. That's where the word passion comes from, from the Latin word to suffer. That's why we have the passion of the Christ. What would you be prepared to suffer for? What would I be prepared to suffer for? Again, it would probably be my kids. My wife, for you, it might be a cause. It might be injustice of some kind. Now, we are Christians. Lots of us here are Christians, and we are representatives of God. So maybe the question should be, what is God passionate about? What would God be prepared to suffer for? I'm going to quote probably the most quoted bit of Scripture. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have Eternal life. For God so loves the world that he gave his only son. God is passionate about having a people of his own. About seeing people come to know him. About reconciling man to God. He's so passionate about it that he sent his only son, his only son, to die on a cross. Maybe that's what we should be most passionate about. And it's what we're talking about this morning. God's passion to seeing people come to know him. If you've got a Bible with you, if you've got a Bible, hopefully you've got a Bible. If you've got a Bible with you, can you turn to Matthew 5, 14 to 16? We're currently in a series looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And I feel quite, I feel quite humbled to be preaching at all to you, but I feel even more humbled because of the passage I'm preaching on, because of the astounding statement that Jesus makes here to his disciples. We there, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. It says this, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much that you love us. We thank you that we can declare that we are saved. Jesus, we thank you that you call us 
to mission, Jesus. And we ask this morning, Lord, that you would be with us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and be in my words, that you would come and help us to hear your call, Lord. Jesus, we ask together, we ask for you, Holy Spirit, to come and be amongst us. Amen. Okay, where are we going this morning? Well, first of all, I'd like to spend a little bit of time on that, you are the light of the world. I'd like to unpack a few things in there and talk about why that is such an astounding statement. Then we're going to talk about these, these two purposes of light that Jesus talks about here, the city on the hill and the um, lamp in the house. And I'd like us to look a little bit about what might stop our light from shining. So first of all, you are the light of the world. I'm not quite sure where to put my water. If I put it here, I've got to go back. Get it. If I put it there, I've got to bend down. It's not going to go there. You are the light of the world. There's two really important things inherent in this statement, two really vital things we've got to grasp. You are the light of the world. Here's the first one. The world is in darkness. Now, living where we live, our understanding of darkness is sometimes a bit limited. It's never really dark in London. It's never really dark. It's never really dark. And it's not the kind of darkness Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about the kind of darkness where you can't see your hands in front of your face. If you've lived down a mine, you might... Um, anyone? If you've lived in the country, you might have experienced that kind of darkness. If you've lived in a mine, even more so, but I don't think... No, probably not. The world's in darkness. It has no light source of its own. Sin and death rule. Now, I could quote tens of scriptures on that, but I'm going to dip into John a couple of times through here. So I thought I'd start in John. And John 1, 1 to 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. He was in the world, and the world... Oh, no, I've skipped a few verses there. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Completely lost my page now. There I am. The world is in darkness. The world is dark. Second thing then. The first thing, the world's in darkness. Second thing inherent in that statement is just mind-blowing, and I want you to really get this. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Just hold on to that, check that for a moment. It's you are the light of the world. It's not you are a light of the world. You are one of many lights of the world. You are the light of the world. Now, I'm going to qualify that in a little while, so don't accuse me of heresy too quickly. Jesus spoke these words, though. You are the light of the world. He didn't, he spoke them to this ragtag bunch of fishermen who were sitting on the side of a mountain in an occupied nation on the edge of the known world, he said to them, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. An amazing thing. And he says it to every one of his followers, every one of his ragtag followers. He says it to students and to teachers and to businessmen and to artists and musicians and call centre workers, to mothers, to tutors, to youth workers, to people who work in advertising, to everyone here, to young, to old, to men and to women, in a school building, 
in a, in a small part of one of many cities that cover the face of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. Right? If that's not astounding, I don't know what is. You are the light of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus here, can you repeat after me? We are the light of the world. Let's have some conviction in that. We are the light of the world. Nice work. Okay, let's just qualify that a little bit. In that passage we read from John, Jesus was the light that came into the darkness. And in John 9, 5, he says again, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. In John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And here he says, you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world because of the one who ignited us. We are the light of the world because of the one that we follow, the one who dwells with us, who dwells within us, the one who would shine out of us in every moment, in every word we spoke and every action we performed, if only we would let him. We are the light of the world because of him. We are the light of the world because we are Christians, because we are little Christs. We are followers of him, sons and daughters of the living God, who, by only his grace, have his likeness within us. So let's say that again. We are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. You don't have to repeat it every time. So, <laughs> so that's two things. You are the light of the world. It's important to get in your head. The world is in darkness. We are the light of the world. So purposes of light. Jesus picks two things here to talk about, to show us how we are meant to be light in the world, to show us our purpose, what we should be doing to shine light into the darkness. First, he says that light illuminates. Actually, I'm going to go in reverse order. This is the second one, actually. He says that light illuminates. It shows things how they truly are like a lamp in a house. Without the lamp, they couldn't see the way things truly were. There was um, a guy, there were many guys, but this one particular guy, he went to visit a tribe who had never lived anywhere but outside of, of uh, this rainforest. They'd only ever lived in this rainforest. They'd only ever seen the trees around them. And um, with the permission of the leader of the tribe, he took him and he took the leader of the tribe out and he took him to this, this plain and on the horizon there was a, a wildebeest or some sort of, some sort of large mammal and he said to him, what's that there? And the, the little tribe said, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but it's some sort of insect. Some sort of insect right there. And um, the guy took him up to the wildebeest and showed him this big beast. And obviously the man was astounded. He'd never, never seen anything that was that far away. He'd never had that experience of, um, of perspective. Without that experience of perspective, he couldn't know what the world really looked like. Without seeing things that were far away and things that were near, we can't see what the world really looks like. Without the experience of light... People in the world cannot know, one, that they are in darkness, and two, that there is a light. Without the experience of light, they cannot know it. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his great book on the Sermon on the Mount, says, We are the light of the world in a very real sense. We alone have an adequate explanation of the cause of the state of the world which from the personal to the international level is nothing but man's estrangement from God. That is the light which only Christians have 
and which they can give to the world. It says in Romans 10.14, How then will you call on him in whom you have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom, him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Your friends who don't know Jesus live in darkness. And if we are not light before them, they cannot know they live in darkness and they cannot know that there is a hope. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. So that's the first purpose of light. That's our first purpose as the light of the world is to illuminate, to show things the way they truly are, to show that there is a God in heaven, the God who loves. Second one, a light shows the way. A lighthouse, a torch, stars, a city on a hill. These are all guidance. They're used as a point of reference, something to head towards. Michael Eaton says, the world is meant to see us as a foretaste of what is on offer for them. The world is meant to see us, the light of the world, as a foretaste of what is on offer for them. So, what's on offer? What do we tell people about the Christian life? Do we say, come to church, we're going to sing some cool songs? Do we say, we've got some really good bands, they're wicked? They were wicked, actually. Do we say, we've got really nice cakes after the service too, you know, we hang around, we chat. Do we say, we're Christians, but we're cool, you know. Come and get to know us. If that is our foretaste of what's to come, then I'm, I'm off. I don't want that to be our foretaste of what's to come. I hope you picked up through this passage, through the looking at the Sermon on the Mount, that the Christian life is meant to be anything but passe. It is meant to be radical. As different as light is to darkness, that is how different we should be to the world. We should live pure in heart, in front of our friends, mourning our sin. Because of the holy, holy, holy God that we have seen. If we do that, then they can know that there is sin in the world. And they can know that there is a holy God whom we should mourn before. If we live humbly and meekly before our friends because of the redeeming God, the king of creation who did not count it, did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, took the very nature of a servant, came down and died on a cross. If we live humbly before our friends because of that God, they can know what true redemption is. They can know about a God who is humble and who loves us to the point of death. If we are merciful in our workplaces, forgiving all wrongs that are done to us because of the God who forgave us, his enemies, the ones who turned their backs on him, then our friends can know what true forgiveness is. If we are peacemakers in every situation because of the peace and reconciliation that was bought for us at the cross by Jesus Christ, then our friends can know what peace looks like, can know what peace looks like in the turmoil of our world. The world is in darkness. You, we, 
are the light of the world. Our purpose, to show the world as it truly is, to be a foretaste of what people can have in Christ. So what's going to stop them getting there? Jesus says, people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand that gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine. What stops our light from shining? In this passage, and the passage that Steph spoke on last week, Jesus chooses two things that have only one primary characteristic. I'm sure he does this deliberately. He is Jesus. He chooses salt. Salt is salty. If it loses its saltiness, it's no good. and can be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He chooses light. Light gives light. When it ceases to give light, it's useless. Jesus' point here is that there's nothing quite as useless as a nominal Christian. That is a Christian who takes the name of Christian but doesn't claim the, the responsibilities, the privileges, the purposes of being a true Christian. But let's look at one who is a true Christian, one who really shines. It's amazing what God says about those. One who shines, people will see their good works. John Stott describes the good works as everything a Christian says and does because they are a Christian. Every outward and visible manifestation of his Christian faith, or in other words, all the outworkings of the Beatitudes we've been looking at over the past weeks. People will see their good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. What a wonderful thing. That if we truly shine, if we are truly Christians in front of our friends, they can see our good works and they will give glory to our Father who is in heaven. We can take part in what is God's passion, reconciling man to God. We can be part of that. What an amazing calling, what an amazing privilege. Should we say that again? We are the light of the world. You've lost your conviction. We are the light of the world. So what stops, what might stop our light from shining? I found this bit by far the hardest bit to prepare. I couldn't really pin down what until I was thinking today and I realised, I was talking to, to my wife Chloe and I, I realised that actually it's, it's such a personal thing, the, the, what you might bring to this, what is stopping you from really shining is, is so individual. What stops me shining is going to be so different from what stops Simon or, or Joel or Mukami shining. But I'm going to bring some general things. And hopefully some of them will resound in you. But some of them won't. But hopefully God is speaking to you about what stops your light from shining. What it is you need to cut out. What it is you need to put right. Who it is you need to be made right with. So a few general things. Maybe, maybe sin has crept in. Maybe there's some area of compromise in your life. 
Maybe there's some area that, that God is highlighting right now. It says in Ephesians 5, 8, it says, For at one time you were darkness. At one time we were darkness. But now you are light. We are the light of the world. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. You are the light of the world. Walk as children of light. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. That's what Jesus says to you right now. If there is something there, you know God's saying that sin, you've got to sort it out. But you know what else he says? He says when you talk to a Christian about it, when you expose it to the light, it becomes visible, and anything visible is light. Jesus can sort out whatever problem it is. Bring it, bring it to him. Confess it to whoever it may be. Confess it to somebody. Bring it to him. Be made right. Shine as you are meant to shine. So maybe sin and compromise is what's stopping your light from shining. The next two, I, I felt God speaking to me about, and I wanted to share, just, I, I just felt to share actually what God, what God spoke to me about, spoke to me through. I'm a teacher, and um, recently I've been writing reports. Well, I haven't been writing reports, and that's the point of this. I meant to have been writing reports. I meant to have been writing reports lots of times, and... Um, it, I get in briefing, the, the head goes, right, reports, reports, can we have them in this, this date? And I'm like, yeah, right, yeah, reports. And, um, and then uh, maybe an email comes and it says, can you put the reports into this file on the system? And I go, yeah, reports, about those reports. And it comes to a time, I've got some time at work, and I say, right, I've got to do my reports. And I go, no, I could, I really I should plan that lesson. And I, sh oh, yeah, I really should make that, that, get that resource ready. And then I get, I get home from work and I, I spend time with my family and then I've set this, some time aside at the end of the evening to, to crack on with those reports and I turn the computer on and just check the news, just quickly. Better check my emails, better send off that email. And I felt God really talking to me about laziness, first of all. It's about laziness. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're like me. Maybe actually the reason you don't shine is because you're just a bit lazy. That, God was just right on me. You've got to not be lazy. You've got to sort it out. It might, it might, it's, it's not about the reports now. It's about me not talking to people about him in every opportunity and every moment that he gives me. God talks to us about this all the time. It's the first thing he asks us. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. That is our calling as Christians. Like those messages that come from my head teacher all the time. And we go, oh, about that. I kind of better talk to this person about this other thing. You know what? God calls us to make disciples of all nations to shine. Let's cut that laziness out. If that's you you want to talk to me about it, let's talk about it, let's sort it out. Maybe it's fear. Oh no. Bible. Should I bring the Bible? Thanks. <laughs> Maybe it's fear that stops you from shining. 
as uh, at the, um, war- the, the prayer and warfare evening, I saw this title of the book and I thought, that's, that's wonderful, that's it. This is the title of the book, it says, When Man is Big and God is Small. And you know what, that was, that's me as well. Sometimes I see man as so big and God as so small. Man's, man's part in my life becomes so big and God's part so small. And I forget that, that God is supremely big and man is but dust. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If that's you, I would encourage you to lift your eyes to him as we worship again this afternoon. Lift your eyes to him. Remember who he is. Remember that our help comes from the God who is king of heaven and earth. The one who made all things, who reigns over all things. Our king, Jesus. So maybe you're, maybe you're thinking there's a sin I need to deal with. And I'd encourage you to talk to someone about that. Maybe, maybe it's laziness and you just grab me or pray with someone else. Let's sort that out. Maybe it's fear. Come to God. Recognise him. I've got two more things before we come and respond. I was talking to um, Simon this week about, about this. And I was like, shall I say something about gospel communities and gospel communities? And Simon was like, well, something like, here's a lampstand for you to sit on. I was like, that's it. That is it. Gospel communities, here's a lampstand for you to sit on. Here is a lampstand for you to just get on. Be in a gospel community. Be in one. They are there for us to shine. Gospel communities, that should be the tagline, right? Gospel communities, here's a lampstand for you to sit on. (laughs) Second thing, final thing. You might not be a Christian here this morning, this afternoon. And um, you might be thinking, these guys are mad. They think they're the light of the world. What are they talking about? (laughs) I want you to just rewind. And I want you to hear that he is the light of the world. He, Jesus, our King, is the light of the world. He is the God who made all things. He is the King who made heaven and earth. I'd like you to hear that again, that he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant. He made us right with him. And we only claim to be the light of the world because of him, because of the one who called us. If you're not a Christian here and you want to know him more, this amazing God that we sing to, that we speak about, that we know that calls us on a personal level to an amazing mission with him. If you want to know him more, talk to me, talk to somebody, or maybe you want to engage with him. Maybe you want to sing some of these songs and ask him to speak to you. I'm going to invite the band up, wherever they may be. And I'd ask you to consider how you respond. The world is in darkness, but we are the light of the world. Should we say that again? We are the light of the world. We're called to show the world as it truly is, to illuminate it. We are called to guide 
to show away. But we've got to cut these things out that stop our light from shining. I'll ask you to, in whatever way it may be, to respond to Jesus this afternoon. Whether that's to find someone to pray with, whether that's to come to him and know him more. We're going to share bread and wine together and remember our king who died, his body broken, his blood shed, that we may know him and share in his amazing mission. Okay, I hand over to Alice. Do come break bread whenever you're ready. Stands and stands. You're the God of this city, you're the King of these people, you're the Lord of this nation. You are, you're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless. Sing, you're the God. You're the God of this city, you're the king of these people, you're the Lord of this nation. to 
send an email to my head and say listen I'm sorry I really I should have probably spoke to him in person but I sent an email to the head saying listen I'm sorry they're not going to be in on time and I, I've, I'll get them to you here this is what I'll do to make it right and I just felt God wanted to encourage you now to say you can just come to me and say I know I've been lazy or I know I've been fearful or I know there's this sin but I want to put it right let's make it right so I'd encourage you as we sing that you would make that move if you need to. Find someone to pray with. Find someone to talk to. Come and break bread and wine if you just want to come and meet with God some more. Jesus, we thank you that you call us to mission. Lord, we thank you. It is an amazing privilege to be called to be on mission with you, the King of all things. Jesus, and we say you are the light of the world. You are it, Jesus. Lord, we want to be on mission with you. Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. Come and equip us. Lord, we love you.
You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. You're the God of this city. You're the King of this. 